0: Welcome to the Shine Light Project podcast. I'm your host Benjamin and it's been an absolute age since we recorded a podcast episode and thank you so much to our supporters that have encouraged us to get back to this and the intent is to make this now more of a regular thing. The Shine Light Project is all about how can we individually and collectively make the greatest amount of positive impact in the world. How can we be a force for good and of course there are many ways to do that and the purpose of this podcast is it's a new format that we're going to try and we'd love to get your feedback on it and the purpose is to reflect on the insights and wisdom of important books that could indeed ensure that we are a shining light in the world to help us along the way to give us that wisdom and perhaps that encouragement and inspiration we might need now in our workshops at the shine light project we almost always encourage people to read books uh, given since time memorial, books have always been the cornerstone for many people of doing positive things in their communities and beyond. Now, of course, reading isn't the only way to achieve that, but it certainly can help. And I'm hopeful that what I share today will be of value and interest in its own right. I also hope that it perhaps inspires you to purchase the book that I'm going to reflect upon. Now, the first book I'm reflecting on is Freedom by Sebastian Younger. And it's worth noting that these are reflections, not a review of the book. Uh, one, I have no interest in critiquing another's work, and <laughs> besides, I think I would be a totally an, inadequate critic for multiple reasons. Now, what is freedom and why is it important? And how do we create freedom are just some of the some of the themes that this incredible book covers. And at the time of recording this, as is so often the case. Uh, like when we last recorded the podcast, which was when the U- war in Ukraine just begun, there's the horrific conflict between Israel and Palestine, and we're seeing people's freedom and lives be taken from them. So it feels like a, a particularly poignant time to be recording this episode, but sadly, as the world is, there is often, there's, there's always millions of people around the world that, that don't have freedom. Now, now, first, I'd like to touch on how I came to Sebastian Younger's work, uh, which is when I read his book Tribe. To this day, and I imagine till my final day, that is one of the most profound and important books that I've ever read. And then I heard Sebastian Younger speak on various podcasts, and then I listened to his two TED Talks. The first in 2014 was Why Veterans Miss War, and the second in 2016 was Our Lonely Society Makes It Hard to Come Home from War. And hearing Sebastian speak, in, in coupling with his books, just astounded me the, the integrity and the sheer like, inspiration of the way that he writes and the way that he thinks. And Sebastian Younger is someone that's reported from the front line of war zones and many other extremely dangerous environments. And he describes himself first and foremost as an anthropologist, but he's a documentary maker, a, a filmmaker, uh, and, and an incredible writer. As I get into the book now, I'd like to add to those reading the transcript version of this or even listening to the podcast itself the quotes I read were actually recorded by dictating into an app and I've done my best to proof and ensure that the quotes are accurate Uh, but there might be bugs and errors so my my great apologies to Sebastian Younger if there are any words that are just off but really hopefully you get the essence. So let's now get into the book freedom the themes and sharing some wisdom that hopefully will inspire you. Now, let me begin with the publisher's synopsis, which I think gives a nice overview so you can understand what we're about to embark upon. And I quote, throughout history, humans have driven, have been driven by the quest for two cherished ideals, community and freedom. The two don't coexist easily. We value individuality and self-reliance, easy for me to say, yet are utterly dependent on community for our most basic needs. In this intricately crafted and thought-provoking book, Sebastian Younger examines this tension that lies at the heart of what it means to be human. For much of a year, Younger and three friends, a conflict photographer and two Afghan war veterans, walked the railroad lines of the east coast, and that's in America. It was an experiment in personal autonomy, but also interdependence. Dodging railroad cops, sleeping under bridges, cooking over fires and drinking from creeks and rivers, the four men forge a unique reliance on one another. What I loved about the book is how he intertwines between history of what individual groups have done to maintain their freedom and his own meditations of the trip itself. And there is sort of no decisive conclusion that Sebastian Younger is trying to part as what freedom exactly is. But this is by far my favourite definition from the book. And I, and I quote here again we walked around 400 miles and most nights we were the only people in the world who knew where we were there are many definitions of freedom but surely that is one of them and there's a very humorous passage where he says over the course of 400 miles we failed to come up with a single moral or legal justification for what we're doing other than the dilute principle that we weren't causing actual harm so we just kept on doing it and what he means by this is it's illegal to walk on railroad tracks. I mean, of course it is. It's a incredibly dangerous thing to do. Uh but and I and I like that sense of it's not even self-deprecation, it's just a, a, a kind of a wonderful uh reflection of like, yeah, this this was something we shouldn't have been doing. We couldn't justify why we were doing it, but we just kept on <laughs> we just kept on doing it. So amongst all of the hardship and stories that are really quite upsetting to listen to that I'll come onto here in these reflections. Uh, there's also those humorous moments. There's a passage here that resonated deeply and again this is a big theme in Sebastian Younger's work and a big part of what we do at the Shine Light Project which was about community and I quote here The poor neighbourhoods were easy to walk through because people would offer us water Asked if we were okay In affluent areas they were more likely to call the cops End quote And it says something about the oddness of modern the sort of modern financially rich world and modernity whereby the more money we seem to have the safer we are financially but the more fearful we are quite literally we exchange almost our financial security for our 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 mental freedom if you like and so you have to ask the question does wealth financial wealth make us more free or less free and that's a topic that we will cover a lot of the shine light project now what's clear about the human condition is that we are all at some point in life are likely to feel that we want to escape right to be free of the things that, that bind us. And all of the mystics will talk about this, that it's our attachments which mean we're not free. And Sebastian Younger tells of a story of how one day a man saw the four of them walking and he asked to join them. And Sebastian Younger remarks, and I quote, he wasn't joking. He didn't ask where we we're going. He just wanted it in or out. You had to wonder about a man who saw four men walk along a railroad tracks in midwinter and thought they had more to offer than his life at that moment. And Sebastian Younger reflects that throughout history, good people and bad people have maintained their freedom by simply staying out of reach of those who would deprive them of it. And this is one of life's great conundrums and is one of us that many of us fight with our entire lives, sometimes even daily. And to explore this thing, the book covers the fascinating history of the various groups of people who have fought for freedom in a myriad of ways. For example, the nomads and how they had sort of strong warrior-like traditions and how young men were initiated together, that their primary purpose was protecting their own herds and how they had, and I quote, an intimate knowledge of the, unnatural, of, of the natural world that made them almost impossible to pursue and defeat, which is so inspiring. <laughs> like imagine your knowledge of the natural world being that good that you basically could barely be traced and even if you could be traced that you still couldn't be defeated. And I quote here, if subsistence level survival were the standard for absolute freedom, the word would mean nothing because virtually no one could pass that test. People love to believe they're free, though which is hard to achieve in society that's outsourced virtually all of the tasks needed for survival. And that is starkly true. (laughs) None of us could pass the test to be truly free if the definition of freedom is that subsistence level survival were the absolute standard. And this is the modern dilemma. Many of us, and myself included, almost fantasize about being at one with nature and being free from, in invert the system. And yet we've built a system that makes it almost impossible to the vast majority of us to reach that freedom. And as Sebastian Younger writes in a quote here, freedom had to be at least suffered for, if not died for. And that raises value to something almost sacred. He goes on to write, and I quote: "In modern democracies, freedom and survival are more or less guaranteed. That is a great blessing, but allows people to believe that any sacrifice at all, for example, rationing water during a drought, for example, is a form of government tyranny." Like, and (laughs) I mean that is quite, that is remarkably powerful as a quote, right? Which is. We see this in, I see this in the UK, that we have in this democracy so much freedom. We have almost all we need to survive. And and let's say there's a host pipe ban and people will lose their minds. (laughs) Not everybody. (laughs) But it's, and this is why what Sebastian goes on to say, which I think is one of the most powerful passages I've ever read, which is there are no more forms of tyranny than rationing water or lifeboats. The idea that we can enjoy the benefits of society, whilst owing nothing in return, is literally infantile. Only children owe nothing. And being a father of a young daughter, that is correct. Only children owe nothing. And I just think that's a very moving passage that stopped me in my stopped me in my tracks. As to this next passage, which is the this story that Sebastian Gries shares, where and I quote: "Somewhere in the middle of Pennsylvania." saw a man who had tied the handle of the snow shovel to his belt and then piled all his belongings onto the blade which slid along behind him. Depending on your perspective he was either the freest man of the country or just the poorest. Again like what is freedom? And throughout the book this is where Sebastian Younger gives fascinating accounts of various groups and tribes through history that have sought freedom in in a multitude of ways. For example he, he writes about the Apaches and It was there, and I quote, ability to cross terrain quickly and invisibly that allowed 14 generations to remain outside the control of white society. Now, end quote. Now that's freedom, but can you imagine the hardship and sacrifice you have to make to sustain that? several points in this book and in a lot of his other work. Sebastian Younger writes a lot about consumerism in a way that I think is very powerful and very important. And And he says that reflecting by the side of railroad, he observed, and I quote, the quantity of what America needed was hard to comprehend. Three straight minutes of cattle cars lumbering by with their barnyard stench, endless coal trains like a special delivery from hell. <laughs> and I have to say one of the highlights of the books was the the history of how the railroads were were made in America, which is it is mind-boggling, particularly think about the the lack of tools that they had back then. And he, he describes, and I quote, a good crew could lay a mile of track a day, except in the mountains where thousands of men could be stored in the same place for months. Prostitutes, con men, gamblers, and murderers poured into these work camps as soon as they were established. The frontier was a principal area of single-male brutality. The surplus of young men, widespread bachelorhood, sensitivity about honour, racial hostility, heavy drinking, religious indifference, group indulgence and vice and inadequate law enforcement were concentrated on the frontier. Morality rates rivaled that of battlefields and did not change until women began to migrate westward and have children. And there's a data point here which seems unfathomable and I quote, Wyoming lost 7% of its population to murder in the first two months of existence. And another point of history that he writes about here to say that freedom was a supreme value born of the fact that there were really no alternatives worth considering. And the result was the freest people often were the most warlike. And he tells a story of when a 1,000 Jews committed mass suicide in their besieged city of Masada in 73 BCE when it became clear that Roman soldiers would eventually break the wars and enslave everyone they didn't kill, the Romans entered the city that was entirely inhabited by by death. To think that this was a common commonality in human history goes to show that there are too many people around the world today that aren't free, but the people that came before us and what they fought for their own freedom uh, to the point of, of, of mass suicide. And there's a very, very powerful quote here, which is, like regulation of warfare and, and I quote is that men must not believe that nothing is allowable or that everything is and that's an end quote and I think that that speaks a lot about modern society today we can't have everything but in some corners at least we we think that we can and, and that clearly actually as the mystics were us, isn't going to make us free because that's not going to end well like we can't have everything and not everything can be allowed And and one of the most powerful parts about freedom is captured when Sebastian Younger writes that human rights is the apex of international law and one of the greatest achievements of Western society. Uh, And he goes on to say here that for most of history, people have not had human rights. And human rights are analogous to physical health. To me, like when you're physically well, you don't really notice your body, right? But when you're unwell, you become acutely aware of it. Anthony Mello's got this wonderful quote where he's, in his book, Awareness, where he says, like, you don't think, oh, my teeth are well today when you don't have a toothache, but as soon as you have a toothache, you're very acutely aware of your teeth. But other than that, you wouldn't normally think about your teeth. And the same is true of human rights. As someone born and living in the United Kingdom, regardless of my background, and, and whilst this country is, is far from perfect, it's, the, it's very rare that our human rights are violated or, or grossly violated for the majority of people. And now there's no doubt there is inequities and inequalities that part of what we at the Shine Light like Project is, is trying to enable people to help overcome those things. But generally speaking, human rights today are the highest point they've ever been in history. And although we have a long way to go, uh, is that if you live in a country like the UK, we can be incredibly grateful for the human rights that we have most of the time. And as, as Sebastian Younger writes, rights, the, the human rights being at the apex of international law uh, is arguably greater than landing on the moon or decoding the human genome. And it depends on, and I quote, and this is a very powerful quote maintaining a delicate balance between national sovereignty and collective action. And all it takes to destroy that balance is for one powerful nation, for example, Hitler's Germany. Germany decided they're better off doing whatever they wanted and suffering the consequences than abiding by the treaties. And with Germany, that almost worked. And this is the one one of the fundamentals of freedom, and, and I go back to that quote, which is you're trying to maintain a delicate balance between sovereignty and collective action. And and Sebastian Younger here writes it in in a manner which leaves you to draw conclusions of your own. But what he does do is offer up ways of looking at freedom and how it's been fought for. For example, he talks about, and this is what comes from the synopsis about boxing, that about size and concretely how it's not always the biggest person or group that wins and a quote here when you look at fights the quicker more efficient movement gives smaller fighters an advantage over larger ones and unconscious perceptions allow them to see punches before they've been launched because if this weren't true the larger fighters would completely destroy the smaller fighters but that's not always true so although we have larger groups that will try to dominate others and take their freedom smaller groups can be nimble and think more intelligently and fight more intelligently and that's what groups as he describes throughout the whole book have done since time memorial and i think that's a really inspiring way to look at freedom which is just because we have big governments and just because there is tyranny we can fight for our freedom if we are wise enough and and savvy enough to find the ways that we can kind of beat the bigger enemy but of course there are times when Tragically, that freedom is taken away because the big bully is just too powerful. Which leads me to two of my other favorite passages from the book, and one is is very humorous. Which is one of and I quote, one of God's great oversights is that dogs don't live as long as men, and men don't move as fast as dogs. And for me, perhaps the defining end quote there, and for me, the perhaps the defining message from the book lays in here when he says, and I, and I quote. The central problem for human freedom is the groups that are well organized enough to defend themselves against others are well organized enough to oppress their own. And I will just let that sit there without giving comment because I don't think it needs it. <laughs> and in fact, I'll, I'll repeat it. The central problem for human freedom is the groups that are well organized enough to defend themselves against others are well organized enough to oppress their own. The book doesn't cover religion in in great depth uh, but there is is one reference which I I think is very poignant and and I quote here. Christianity was a high moral system based on the preaching of a destitute aesthetic but it somehow became the dominant faith of the medieval society where kings could commit murder without consequences and the powerful could rape, steal and plunder even among their own. End quote. And this is a central problem of religion. When people say, and there's been a a, a debate or date since time immemorial about this, uh, which is is religion a force for good or evil? And the answer surely has to be, well, it depends. And as Sebastian Younger writes, uh, at one point in history, the only advocate for the poor seemed to be Jesus. Century after century, the poor just seemed to stay poor. In a deeply free society, not only would leaders be barred from exploiting their position. They will also be expected to make the same sacrifices and accept the same punishments as everyone else. And that will be a more free society. Right? Sorry, end quote before that. And that will be a free society. Uh, and yet we don't see that. We do see leaders manipulate and take advantage. And it there is, we are at this point of in time in, in history where we absolutely do not need to have any poor people or such grave inequity as we do, and yet we continue to have it. And that is because there are a powerful few that are well organized enough in order to oppress others. I appreciate I could be opening a can of worms there, so <laughs> I won't delve further down that rabbit hole. Maybe that's for another time. But to, to build on this this theme, though, that, about societies uh, and, uh, and leaders that aren't willing to take the same sacrifices is, again, I reflect on someone who grew up in the UK, which is we, we're one of the freest and least oppressed societies on the planet. Uh, and I believe freedom above all is the is the ability to not be exploited. And this is the evil that we're always trying to battle. And as Sebastian Younger points out so eloquently, and I quote, any society's leaders who aren't willing to make the same sacrifices aren't leaders that are opportunists. And opportunists rarely have the common good in mind. And as Sebastian goes on to write though, the good news is, is they're easy to spot. Opportunists lie reflexively blame others for failures, and unapologetic cowards. Wealthy nations might survive that kind of leadership, but insurgencies and uprisings probably won't. The margins aren't simply big enough. As soon as food can be monopolised, though, hunter-gatherers became just as unfair and stratified as everyone else. Archaeological evidence from across the Pacific Northwest indicates that some native communities figured out how to restrict access to the River Rhine salmon fisheries and quickly instituted a powerful elite that built large houses kept slaves and passed wealth from generation to generation End quote and these are the type of stories and the the history repeating itself that we have these opportunists that will exploit people and will restrict freedoms and that has almost been the the common battle for all of time and today we are see less manipulation and less corruption because communities and and populations have have risen above it and we still see those uprisings happen, but we know there's still huge progress to be made and we live in precarious times. And this rolls into one of the crescendos of the book, which is when Sebastian Younger writes about the Gini coefficient, which is named after the Italian sociologist uh, Corrado Gini, and the Gini coefficient is about the distribution of income and it is, is one reliable measure of freedom. And of course, what you'd hope to see in a society is that income is distributed fairly and you're never going to get totally equally. Um, but as, as Sebastian writes, for example, and, and I quote here, hunter-gatherer societies are not democracies and many hold women in subordinate family roles. But the relationship between those boundaries and their leaders is almost impervious to exploitation. In that sense, they are freer than virtually all modern societies. Because in hunter-gatherer societies, the if you look at the Gini coefficient, the, the distribution is almost entirely equal. Uh, and what about the West? Well, the as Sebastian Younger writes here, the United States has one of the highest Gini coefficients in a developed world, roughly at the level of ancient Rome. And isn't that fascinating? And and I quote here: Before taxes, the American Gini coefficient was even higher, almost 0.6 which is on par with a deeply corrupt countries like Haiti. A few rich people control as much wealth as the bottom half of humanity, 3.8 billion people. In countries with large income disparities, such as the United States, are among the most powerful and wealthy countries in the world. And what this means is, is that they can protect themselves from other economies and big militaries, but as Sebastian Junger writes, they're just not very free. And I quote here, There seems to be a sweet spot of economic injustice that is moderately unfair to most of its citizens, but produce extremely powerful societies. And the question we put here is then how the ordinary people protect their freedom in the face of such highly centralized state control. The heart of the most stable governments is a willingness to share power, and end quote there. And I think that is such a powerful way to look at freedom and to think about our societies today which is ultimately we have these huge state powers that control and take about half the wealth of the nation through taxes I give or take depending on the nation's tax structures and therefore create big militaries and big central power which means that you might feel protected and have some sense of freedom but really are we that free? And how to break free of that society, well, from that system, was well, as we said at the very beginning, is that there's almost no way to break free, truly, of that system. And again, what I like here about the well, way Sebastian Junger writes is that he's not throwing out conspiracies or stating anything wild, wild that is left field of anything. He's just stating, based on real empirical data, the, the way the world works. And what does it mean for our freedom and really leaves it up to the reader to draw their conclusions because he's not putting out some form of ideology at all here. And I and quote here. If democratic power sharing is a potent form of freedom, accepting an election loss may be the ultimate demonstration of how free you want to be. History is littered with fascist leaders who have rigged elections and tortured or killed critics, but their regimes are remarkably short-lived especially considering the obsession these men usually have with holding power, end quote. To close, what I love and learn from Sebastian Young's writing is that he's never self-aggrandizing or even that self-referential. He's also clearly like courageous in, in every sense. And there's a, there's a quote here, the rain and heat turned the bottoms of my feet to something like oatmeal. And when I took my boots off, my socks were pink for blood, end quote, yikes. And he writes that when the trip was over, he reflected he was 51 years old, he had no children, and he's in the process of getting divorced. And I quote here, in 400 miles, I never mentioned that to the other men, and they never brought it up. Another man who was also getting divorced, but never mentioned it either. The trip was an escape from that temporary injunction against whatever was coming. But a few times in your life, you arrive at a place where your future has been waiting for you all along. In Kernsville, that was, was the place for me. It was time to go home. It was time to face my life. What a book. What a writer. And what a question. What is freedom? And what are we willing to do for it? Thank you to Sebastian Younger for such an inspiring book. Take care.